In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. Today's movie taught us that Catwoman are not contained by the rules of society. You follow your own desires. This is both a blessing and a curse. You will often be alone and misunderstood, but you will experience a freedom other women will never know. Really makes you think. And this week's guest is Mimi Darling. So, Mimi, is Catwoman a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? Uh, Catwoman is a movie that definitely needs to be remade, um, hasn't been, and I understand why, but it definitely needs to be remade because it came out at the wrong time, honestly. I think that's quite true. Here's the thing. I actually think they've already announced a remake to Catwoman is in production or is in pre-whatevers. I know that they have Catwoman as a character in the new Batman movie, but I'm unsure as to whether or not this Catwoman is ever going to be remade. And the thing I like about it is whatever movie they're going to do can be made. And this movie can still come out and exist because this movie like suggests that Catwoman is a moniker or a title that can be given to anyone. So there could be a Catwoman in Gotham, but there could be a Catwoman in LA. So I kind of like that idea. Yeah, I think that's fair. Certainly the the lore that this movie recommends is that this is a cat woman among cat women. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I don't mind that there could be two in the next couple of years. Why not? Give me a superhero one, but then also give me this fun, like, extra somebody else is a cat woman somewhere else. I mean, especially if we're sticking to, like, the lore of Batman, there have been multiple Batmen. Oh, yeah. There's even been a story of, like, how there was, there's been three Jokers this whole time and no one ever knew. I, I think it's kind of comic book lore to have multiple people play a role. And so oh, yeah. the idea that, you know, Catwoman in Gotham is Selina Kyle, great. But then Catwoman in our movie is Patience Phillips, also great. I think it works. Which, what? <laughs> <laughs> Let's start there. Where did the name Patience Phillips come from? Because that is, it's not good. Yeah, no, I mean, if you watch this movie, Patience Phillips is definitely hippy-dippy, loves to paint, draw. She definitely wears dresses on top of her bell-bottoms. She's a very specific <laughs> kind of person, which, sure, works in 2003-4. Not sure if it works now, but... I think they were sort of, you know, trying to remember or think about the lady who walked around during that time period. And her name is definitely Patience. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. The character as she is portrayed in this movie, that is the correct name for her. Yes, absolutely. So (laughs) when did you first see the movie Catwoman? Okay, so uh, the year was whenever this came out. (laughs) 2004. You know, the year was 2004. I was a young person. I had just started going to uh, the movie theaters by myself. And it was the the summer of me without my parents, with just my friends, or sometimes even alone, just like taking my allowance and going to the movies. And I happened into Catwoman with my friend. And it's the first movie I ever cried in. Um, (laughs) Like... (laughs) kind of bawling my my eyes out at the end um, for various reasons. But the two main one 
uh, reasons are, you know, number one, she doesn't really get to keep the guy that she wants me in. And I just sort of felt like we were leading up to like women can have their cake and eat it too, if they really want to. And uh-huh. so it bothered me that she had to choose between being a cat woman and being in a relationship with this hot guy who, you know, really was interested in her and wanted to be with her. But then also I just thought the movie was so bad and I spent so much money on it, my allowance for the week. And I was very <laughs> upset that I wasted my hard earned cash. And, you know, ever since then it's stuck with me. Catwoman sucks and needs to be <laughs> just so that my money's worth it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's me. 2004. I think those are fair and reasonable reasons uh, to cry. You didn't yeah. think that um, Pitoff's vision was everything you wanted it to be? Pitoff? You know, Pitoff? You know, it's so funny. I think 2004 is a time for like superheroes. I'm using air quotes. You can't see it. <laughs> Superhero movies, <laughs> you know, where there has to be this like underlying heaviness to like, a superhero movie and it just has to be like man we're really hitting you in the feels and like here's all these reasons why you should pay attention to comic book movies and then what happens with this one in particular is we get a lot of shots that feel like straight out of a comic book straight out of a video game and it's kind of like you can't have both you can't decide to be a serious movie and then have all of these shots and scenes that are just ridiculously comic booky. Oh, no. (laughs) Don't worry about it. I think that was Siri. He wants to talk, too. Well, Siri, I'm afraid you're going to have to wait. And the interesting thing is, I actually think that while that take is a good one, I think you might be wrong, because I just looked it up right now, because when you brought that up, I was like, yeah, it is right at the cusp of that. But if anything, I feel like this movie is slightly ahead of its time, because the movie Catwoman came out one year before Batman Begins. Yes, but... And Batman Begins is also, like, that first, like, we're gonna do dark movies now, and we're only gonna talk like this. Sure, but I I guess what I'm saying is, like, you know, Nolan's Batman movies are very much, like, the heaviest of heavies. You are carrying, like, you know... Of course, inspired by Catwoman, clearly. (laughs) Um, But, you know, this is sort of coming off of Daredevil and Elektra and... You know, oh, yeah. emo Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man 3. And so there, there's <laughs> this very underlying heaviness that doesn't really work with these movies because they are superhero comic book movies trying to get away. The great thing about the Batman movies in comparison or like, you know, the difference between them is that the Batman movies aren't trying to be comic booky; They're just trying to be dark and heavy. But this movie is really trying to have its cake and eat it too. It wants to prove its points. It wants to make you feel things. It wants you to feel emotional when she doesn't get the guy. And I definitely did. But at the same time, you know, here's a fun one where she's clawing at the wall and she's climbing because why not? And I I say, let's not. How about that? (laughs) And the fact that Spider-Man 3 came out in 2007 should in no way diminish that argument. No, not at all. But you know what I mean. It's like the same thing for Spider-Man 1 and 2. But it feels like in that same vein. I remember yeah. watching yeah, no, no, Spider-Man you, you are 1 correct. and then watching Daredevil and then being like, ooh, Catwoman's the next one I'm going to watch. And then yeah. not wanting to watch it again. I this is So I saw this movie for the first time this week. Oh, congratulations. Was, thank you. And it was one of those movies that I've kind of always had in the back of my mind of like, I should probably watch this eventually because I like superhero stuff. 
but everything I've ever heard about it is that, well, this is a bad movie. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's a bad movie. And um, everything is correct. I did not enjoy it. And it's uh, it, it, it was a rough watch. But I think... <laughs> There's so many things that I think are intrinsic to like the character of Catwoman, not even necessarily like based off the ideas of the comics or whatever, that I feel like this movie kind of missed. And I felt like it just wanted to do female superhero movie, which is great. Like it took another 15 years before another one came out, really. Mm-hmm. Because, oh, well, Catwoman failed, so I guess we can't have a female superhero-led movie because clearly that's how that works. Yeah. Let's forget and, that we completely changed this anti-hero at all to to make it something different. And then yeah. it failed. So let's not do that again. Right. Like, and also it's just, yes, exactly. And I kept thinking throughout this movie that I just kept feeling bad for Halle Berry. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, this is an Oscar winning actress who is probably better than the stuff they're making her do. But they keep boiling it down to, like, literally, <laughs> I had to text a friend of mine about this, because as I'm watching this movie, where they first push put her in the costume, which, by the way, it's a terrible costume. Absolutely. Wait, which one? When she first put on her jacket, or when she designs her own? When she's wearing, like, a little the, makeover. The, the one in the on the poster, with just, like, where she's basically just in hot pants and a bra? Yes, with her claw marks all through her pants, and... Correct. Absolutely. Yeah, that was totally Which, a look for 2004, by the way. It absolutely was. And apparently she can just materialize that costume because regardless of where she is, she can just be in it at some point, which is a cool Catwoman power. Yes, that you know. Gets addressed. Sure, she's not Superman. It's not underneath anything. It was just somewhere. Maybe it was in a tree and she just jumped yeah. up in the tree. I believe that. And then jumped down because she does have actual cat powers. Yes. But what I was saying is that, like, I feel bad for Halle Berry because there's that shot where she's first walking that costume, like, she's just walking on a lens, and, like, they're doing the kind of the circle pan around her, and then they just hold on her ass for, like, 10 seconds, and I'm like, all right, well, I guess that's what the rest of this movie is. I mean, how else are you going to know that she clawed some claw marks into her pants without that 10-second pan? Like, I get it. I don't like it, but I definitely get it. It's impossible for like, and we really have to appreciate the subtlety of the, the costumer and therefore. Yeah. But like, (laughs) so what do we do? So do we need, we should probably give a quick rundown of this uh, movie of what it is because I don't necessarily recommend people watch it. Please don't. How, how would you 30 seconds summarize Catwoman? Okay. 30 seconds summary. Hmm. All right. Catwoman tells the story of Patience Phillips, who is a artist who is incredibly shy, who through the powers bestowed upon her by a special cat from Egypt, becomes a Catwoman with cat-like abilities to like sort of reclaim her femininity, reclaim her uh, self-love, and kick ass, honestly. And, and that's what it is, or that's at least what they tried to sell it as. Yeah, I'm going to stop there. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. (laughs) I think that's good. Um, I didn't plan this in advance. Here's mine. Uh, Patience Phillips, hot but doesn't know it, which is that fun trope. Totally. Gets murdered when she finds out the dark secret behind a makeup company and is brought back to life by the power of an Egyptian cat who also bestows her with all of the special abilities of a cat woman. 
which she then uses to avenge her own death and take down the evil people running this bad makeup company and get the guy while doing it, except she doesn't. The end. Woo! I think I think yours is better. Mine is sort of like what I want the movie to be, and maybe yeah. it's what I tapped into when I was a kid. You know, when I was a kid, I was like, is this movie about loving yourself and like accepting who you are. I think are. it should be. You know, so do I. And I think like during that time, movies weren't like that. We were watching rom-coms like Little Black Book or actually we were watching rom-coms like Little Black Book because I think the next week <laughs> that's what I watched in the movie theater. Um, you know, but we were we were doing that kind of stuff and then having Daredevil and you couldn't have both. And so this was trying right. to do both, trying to give you that self-love, trying to give you that action and and then like you know just like does a few somersaults straight into the ocean of which she dies so <laughs> so you know yeah yeah but i think you sum- you summarized it pretty well i will say my favorite part about this movie is a villain who hates herself so much continues to use the beauty cream of her company even though she knows it is flawed and dangerous, addictive and problematic. And then her face is so deformed and like troubled or whatever by this cream. She can take a million punches and doesn't feel anything. It's just like a wall. And I'm, I'm kind of like, I like this villain. I like somebody who's altered themselves so much, who just wants to be beautiful and wants everybody to know that she's beautiful and doesn't really (laughs) care about anything else except making money and being pretty. And I was like, you know what? I kind of like that. That person exists now. (laughs) I I don't disagree. I also agree that I like the idea of it. It's like a confidence parable and like, it's important to build confidence and believe in yourself and, and all these things. And I agree. And I think that that's a good, important message from this movie sort of. It's not delivered well. No, it's not delivered well. But I but I do like that idea. And I also agree that I like this woman as the villain and the idea that she's addicted to her own toxic product. But it got to the point where it literally eliminates her ability to feel anything. So she's still getting punched. She just can't feel it. Which means... Those, that, those are the stories that you hear about people who are like, oh, yeah, they burned their hand really bad because they didn't realize they were on fire. Yeah. And yeah. so I feel like she needs to be hoisted by her own petard in some way like that. The other thing I realized really early in this movie is there's a save the cat moment when Patience Phillips cr- um, crawls out on a ledge to go save this Egyptian cat. And it's like, oh, a literal save the cat moment. But I realized that the first save the cat woman, save the cat moment is, so the villain's name is uh, Laurel Hedare. Uh, she has the first save the cat moment. Mm-hmm. Cause they're sitting in the office of like the CEO of the company and he's about to fire patients. But then Laurel says, no, just let her have her job. So literally Laurel saves the cat. She's not yep. a cat yet, but still, but she will be, she will be. And so I'm like, I think they had this opportunity to make her a much more sympathetic villain, especially because she is someone who was in this spotlight and then was kind of phased out and replaced by the younger woman who both her husband is sleeping with and has made the face of the company. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you could very easily make it a, what starts as a revenge story 
and then becomes, well, as long as I'm getting revenge, let's go full tilt and keep getting revenge until I get, I like, cause this was messed up. I didn't like this. This is systematically bad. No one should ever have to experience what I'm experiencing. So I'm going to take the whole system down and everyone and, and kill anyone who gets in my way. Yes. It's weird because we're watching this villain get her revenge at the same time as we're watching our, I'm using air quotes again, hero <laughs> get yes. her revenge. And it's essentially a huge revenge story of two women who don't recognize that they're connected in their revenge. You yeah. know, of course, uh, Laurel Hedair doesn't know what she's done to Patience Phillips because she doesn't care if she's beneath her. But Patience Phillips is trying to figure out who's killed her. And ultimately, it ends up being Laurel. So they're kind of cat and mousing, if you will. Mm-hmm. Lots of cat terms for this movie. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we could lean more into puns, but who's got the time? No. <laughs> Not I. The other thing that I think we need to think about is, this is a movie about Catwoman. Mm-hmm. And they have this a little bit. I think the real problem with this movie is that it's not a heist movie. It's not a heist movie. It never and is. And I think I think the perfect way to do that, honestly, is it's okay to be shy and it's okay to be, you know, like closed off and stuff. But I would just love it if she was constantly stealing things to make ends meet. I would yeah. love it if she's just walking down the street and was already sort of this like sneaky, sly cat-like cr- person before she became mm-hmm. a sneaky, sly, hot, sexy cat creature. <laughs> you know, so right. it's just sort of like, you know, if she was just like constantly like, like couldn't help it, look at this shiny thing, grabbing things. I think that kind of would have made it better because otherwise Patience Phillips is just a good person who has cat happen to her and then is sort of a bad person. <laughs> you know, she can't move on from her revenge. She wants to do X, Y, and Z. She's she a bad person. She's not a bad person per se, but she's not a good person either. There's a reason why at the end of the movie, she's like, I have to go and be Catwoman because I can't live by your laws. And anybody who's just pretending to be like chaotic neutral is not necessarily good. That's <laughs> in there. Yeah, yeah, I would also definitely describe her as a chaotic neutral character. And I like the idea of like, like the, the kleptomania is like who she is as a person. Mm-hmm. If we're getting into plot, I would say like, I feel like the reason that she gets killed is because she steals the wrong thing. Like she's kleptomania, all these different things. And then she happens to steal like this next formula that was going to get everyone killed. If we want to stick with the makeup company, which I don't necessarily. I mean, I don't think we have to stick with the makeup company, but I do like the idea of this villain who's created her own monster, which is herself. And I love the idea too, that it's not that she's strong, you know, it's just that she has a lot of henchmen. And if you do try to take a whack at her, it's going to be really hard. Her skin is very tough. (laughs) I like that. Like in comparison to Catwoman, I will say that like, I don't think Catwoman needs to have so many cat like abilities. Well, (laughs) here's my next question. Yeah. Should she have any superpowers at all? A, do we want to actually kill her? Do we want to give her superpowers? Because I feel like, I mean, I know that there's some of that in the comic books, but in most of the stuff I know of, she's just a really good cat burglar. Yeah, she's definitely a really good cat burglar. And I feel like... And the only two things I know of where she's killed and then brought back to life by cats are this movie and then the, uh, the Michael Keaton Batman... Yes. Catwoman and Penguin movie. Yes. Batman Returns. Batman Returns. Thank you. And I don't feel like we actually need to give her superpowers. And I also feel like we don't need to actually kill her and have her bring things back to life. She can be a cat burglar who is cat themed 
and not actually have to have a magic cat from ancient Egypt bring her back to life, I don't think. I kind of like the idea of, you know, the villain is super with her skin so tough that she's like sort Mm -hmm. of unkillable in a way, but that patience is not. I love the idea of like a... A, a faux death, if you will, like a death of her character, a death of like the shy patients and like yes. the birth of a strong patient. And I wonder if there's a way I would love to also bring this Egyptian Mao cat into it mm-hmm. who chooses her. And I wonder if there's a way that she could sort of almost get caught, you know, trying to steal something big you know, after she almost got in trouble or she's running away trying to steal something big and the Egyptian Mao kind of leads her to this like cat den of like other big sort of like burglar (laughs) types just like a huge cat house of people who are like we are this is like i don't know i don't know i'm thinking maybe of like mr and mrs no yeah mr and mrs smith is that a movie it's a movie it's the brad pitt angelina jolie movie Okay, so you know how Angelina Jolie has her own, like, little office of, like, super spy women and stuff? And I'm wondering if, like, (laughs) that's what we get when the Egyptian Mal brings her home. (laughs) You know, that's what we get. We get the safe haven where she can sort of come into her own as a spy. Not as a spy, but, like, as a super cat burglar. Because Mm -hmm. up until now, she's just sort of been a kleptomaniac stealing things here or there. But she does have this attention to beauty She's an artist. She likes whatever. <laughs> you know, she's like trying to go for whatever she wants. At the same time, trying to hide herself with this version of herself that she believes that she is. And these people can sort of show her, you're so much more than that. Stealing is great. <laughs> <laughs> Look at how confident and powerful you are. You can take that. Break the rules. There are no rules for you. Yeah. And as long as you give a little back, like maybe she's her own version of Robin Hood. <laughs> maybe. Sprinkle. Here's the litter. So <laughs> one of the things we could do is uh, this is this trope's been used so many times. We could keep we could tie in the Egyptian cat theme of she could literally steal an Egyptian cat totem, which mm-hmm. is said to bestow super cat abilities upon the, the, the holder, the bearer. Okay. And I'd love it if it's just she's like, oh, wow, I, I'll, I have this these cat abilities now. But it, 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 it's not a real thing. It's just now, like, and it's one of those things where it finally gets taken. She's like, oh, I, I guess I can just do all that. And I've never actually believed in myself enough to be able to, like, realize that I am this capable and powerful. That would be kind of great. I still need a fairy godmother, though. I still need that, like, Francis Conroy character to be like, oh, Midnight, you brought someone home. <laughs> I think we do, too, because I like the idea of the, uh, the, the, the old school feminist, like, going, oh... You here, here, baby, uh, baby feminist. Learn, learn, learn the ways about uh, self confidence. Yes, look at all these women throughout history who love themselves. You can love yourself too. You can do anything. Absolutely, that's what, that's what I want. She's a little RuPaul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love anybody else? <laughs> that's Conroy in this movie behind T and thousands of cats in her house, basically. Yeah. I mean, if that woman had had an expression on her face at any point during the entire movie, she might have been my favorite character. Absolutely. She is very much one noted, huh? Confused face. And I I like it in other things. I'm not sure if I liked it here. Yeah. But yeah, no. I, can we talk about her friends for a second? Because like, oh, I don't yeah. know. 
I don't remember the name of the actress who uh, played her. I'm looking it up right now. Alex Borstein. Um, yes, Alex Borstein. Thank you. Sally. I, I don't remember when it I, I saw, but like, I think her only defining character con- uh, character trait was horniness. Yes, I, I would say, and I, I had this thought when I was trying to choose my cast, you know, Sally is really that odd, you know, character because she is not like societally attractive. I think Alex Borstein is like such a babe. But society is pushing you to view only Halle Berry as this hot person. And yet Alex Borstein's character, Sally, is super attractive because she has this like inner femininity and she's going out for the things that she wants and she's incredibly horny. And so you can't help but see her as this like hot best friend to Patience's who's you know, it's Halle Berry, (laughs) you know, to Patience's like shy, I don't know that I'm pretty totally smoking person right like that that trope of the 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 pretty but doesn't know it thing that i said earlier like she's halle berry no she knows it yeah (laughs) there's a scene in this movie where she plays basketball with her cop slash love interest and she shakes her butt in front of him and that's sort of the moment you're like patience knows what she's got like she knows <laughs> she knows what she's doing she knows exactly who she is let's stop pretending patience you know doesn't have any confidence anymore <laughs> like, right who is she which obviously she can't date a cop anymore right like who, who what do we want the actual profession of her uh romantic parent is this uh is her romantic pairing the one that you gender swapped or no yes Okay, so what do you want the uh, the profession of her uh, uh, potential girlfriend to be? I kind of would love her potential girlfriend to be somebody underneath the Hadares, like right up there, maybe the next person to sort of fall in line, the person who, you know, could take over the company if for some strange reason Laurel and George don't end up making it you know and and just sort of is looking out for their company who's like totally a company person but then also falls in love with this cute little klepto rebel well why don't we make it uh the scientist the one who like designed the the new formula Absolutely. and that way we can even make it because patience has this kleptomania like it could be a night where she slept over at his place and she pockets it and then that ends up saving his life because they're like, we know you took the special formula and you were going to turn it over to the cops. I really didn't. I really didn't. And then they ransack his place and don't find it because if they found it, they would have killed him on the spot. So it's like, I, I really don't have it, I guess, somehow. <laughs> because Patience stole it without him knowing and in doing so accidentally saved his life. And that's how they kind of figure, like, that's what both sets him and her down this path of up against the big corporate giant. Yeah, I love that. I love the idea that the scientist survives. That's what I was kind of looking for. All of, We have a lot of characters in this movie who don't actually have names because they're just on the screen for like two minutes. But if we can make a super smart, hot person, you know, survive just a little bit longer, I would love that. Yeah, because the, the character as he's in there now, his name is Tom Lone, last name Lone, because he's a lone cop. He's always on his own. But that this Tom. woman can nail him down. Ugh, Tom. Tom and patience. patience what a loner. Tom. 
<laughs> and then like he's going like he's a he's a lone cop who always gets his guy and he does like community outreach and he goes and he plays basketball with the local kids. He's what you want no. every cop to be, but isn't. But, uh, aren't. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so then I feel like we need to have a conversation. You, you alluded to this a little bit earlier. I didn't look this up and I realize now I should have. Is there a reason why this is Patience Phillips as opposed to Selena Kyle? So it's inspired by Catwoman. And I, I honestly think they just couldn't get the rights to do a Catwoman movie the studio wanted to come out with their own super movie because it was sort of the fresh start of supers before the supers that we have now, you know? And so they were really that's excited. A, that's a good theory, but this is a Warner brothers movie and Warner brothers is the company that owns DC comics. Like this is Catwoman. Yes. But I think like, you know, it's sort of like how some of the Batman movies keep going away off HBO Max. And even though they own it, they don't own the rights to those movies in some weird Fair. way. And they're like, they're owned by CBS or they're owned by something else. I honestly think they couldn't get Selena Kyle, that actual character because it was being used in some other way, maybe in, you know, the animation or, you know, anything else it was being used in some other way or it was in development in some other way. And so they had mm-hmm. to sort of take a turn because also, if you pay attention, which you won't because it's not a good movie, if you pay attention, <laughs> they're not in Gotham. They're in some nondescript city by a bay. It's very much San Francisco. <laughs> you know? yep. um, but they're in some sort of nondescript city. They couldn't really pull anything from the comics except from the name Catwoman. It's a vastly different story. And it says, like, inspired by or based on. But it's it's not supposed to be... Even when she's like tossing all of the pictures of all the different Catwoman, there is no Selena Kyle in there. And so it's very much just like loosely connected. And so I think it's a, it's an issue. Yeah. My theory was less forgiving. Okay. Hit me. My, my theory was, well, Halle Berry is black and Selena Kyle's not black. Therefore this person has to have a different name. You it's know, the whole, like, Spider-Man can't be black, so therefore this is Miles Morales. He can't be Peter Parker. He's black. Right. I that think that's fair. my theory. I very easily could be wrong. I think that's and- fair. That's when Halle Berry was super hot. So I'm sure they were like, let's do this Catwoman movie. And then they're like, we've got Halle Berry. And they're like, let's change this Catwoman movie. I feel like that's totally impossible. It's totally possible. And it's nice to see that that has changed. The one thing I will say about that, though, is Eartha Kitt was Catwoman before Halle Berry was Catwoman. So Halle Berry's not the first black Catwoman. (laughs) I'm sure that's 100% true. (laughs) So I I take yours and I I hear that. And and unfortunately, it might be true as well. (laughs) I don't know. It's hard to know unless one of us actually Googled it. And we're not going to do that. No, because this movie is not worth it. But our movie, the one that we're remaking at this Mm -hmm. moment, is definitely worth the Google. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so we kind of have a couple of core outlines and we kind of like have a bit of the meat cute. What else do we need for our plot? I do think we need to place it somewhere, you know, it's nowhere oh, like right now. Yeah. And I think that, I think this movie has a problem not existing in, in comic verse you know like i think it doesn't need to be gotham but it needs to be in a city where she could have seen catwoman or poison ivy or anything like that happening i do think this movie is a little too far-fetched 
not our movie, but like Catwoman in general is a little too far fetched to just have in San in a San Francisco that doesn't exist in correlation to, you know, Metropolis. Well, then what other uh, DC city do you want? Like you could put her in Metropolis, you could put her in Star City. Those are the only examples I have, but I'm sure there's a third one. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, maybe, maybe Star City. You know, it's the only other ones I'm thinking of is like, where's Black Lightning live? (laughs) She doesn't live there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just kind of like, I don't know where they live. Couldn't tell you. They all live. Speaking speaking of um, Black Selena Kyles, you've watched the Harley Quinn animated show, right? Absolutely. In, in that show, uh, Selena Kyle is also black. Yes. And I think she's kind of exactly, <laughs> she's a perfect Catwoman. I yeah. like, I have to she's say, so I have to say like, I love Eartha Kitt as a Catwoman. I love all the original iterations of Catwoman. I do not enjoy the Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman. And it's maybe because she's a little too crazy for my liking. Sure. Um, because I think other- all she wants is a cool writer. A cool writer. I'm going to make Grease 2 references all day. Yeah, no, I, I can't. I, I just am I'm not a fan of Batman Returns. And 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 that's my bad as a, as a nerd and a geek. <laughs> but, I mean, that's I fine. That's, You're not required to, to love every sure. bitter. But I do think that's what's wrong with this one. It's, it's the same thing. Her personality when she becomes... Catwoman goes from like I'm a person to am I part cat? I am part cat. I'm talking to myself. Wow, doing a lot of claw marks and looking at people and and meowing and and licking people's faces and it's just like okay, like you know, there's a way to there's a way to do this that's not so like cat got your tongue, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And- I also like that in that version of the movie, like once she dies, it's all these cats like crowd around her and like the static electricity in their fur, in their fur defibrillates her heart which yes. i find way more interesting than uh the egyptian cat breathed in her yes <sighs> that was me being the cat i rise <sighs> <laughs> but yeah no uh, we can do better <laughs> yes we can do better so yeah let's 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 choose a city i don't know any DC cities. Besides yeah, okay, let me look up uh, DC cities. DC comic cities or DC universe <laughs> cities. List of locations in the DC universe. Kansas. Uh, Amnesty Bay. Bloodhaven. Blue Valley. Calvin City. Dakota City. Empire City. All of these are placed like. Wh- why isn't there. Uh, oh, okay. Ivy Town. Okay. Gorilla City. I feel like uh, it's like Springs. I feel like she lives in Empire City, and maybe she's not from there. You know, she's a transplant. And that's why I she's mean, stealing to get to know the city better. Empire City, the home of the second Manhunter. I don't know what that is. Located somewhere in the east coast of the United States, but you wanted to put her west coast, right? I mean, I think West Coast is probably who she is. <laughs> I feel you know? like that's. Star City, because I feel like Star City is uh, original. Like Star City is basically Seattle. Oh, let's do Star City then. Yeah. She is a little hippy dippy. Not that all people from Seattle are hippies. Yes, I can also. I can also give you Platinum Flats, home of the Birds of Prey. 
Huh. Which is maybe uh, we all we also have National City, home of Supergirl, and located in Southern California. Well, she doesn't live there for sure. I would say she's okay. either in Platinum Flats or she's in Star City. What's your preference? Hmm. Let's do Star City because then she could easily travel to Platinum Flats if she has to. When and also she has to. Star City, I think, is a more well-known DC city. And I feel like anytime anyone... And Platinum Flats, people are like, that's definitely a modern name. Yes. Let's go with Star City. Yeah, like Star Phillips City of Star City. Reach for the stars in Star City. But I have to go to work. Fine. <laughs> reach after work. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. If I'm not too tired, I'll reach for the stars. <laughs> uh, okay, so we basically have our act one. Mm-hmm. And, like, our... I feel like um, inadvertently saving this dude's life, she ends up getting this target put on herself. And I feel like even if she doesn't like get killed, uh, she should be like, like they try to kill her and somehow it doesn't work because of her cat burglar skills. Like they bomb her apartment and it happened to be that she saw it coming and managed to get out or something like that. Yeah, or like she... She was on the fire escape, and we have, like, a very cool her jumping the fire escapes, which is almost cat-like, but isn't (laughs) cat-powered. Just, like, jumping to get down. Yeah, we can even have, like, them watching her apartment. They see her get out and go into her apartment and be in her apartment, but she gets saved because she literally goes out onto her fire escape to go feed a cat or to go play with a cat. Sure, yeah. The Egyptian mound named Midnight. Absolutely. The Egyptian (laughs) mound named Midnight. Absolutely. is that the breed, Egyptian Mao? It's definitely a Mao, and I want to say it's Egyptian. So that's I, what I'm I, running with. Yeah, I, I remember they said the, the the breed of the cat. I'm like, oh, that's a fancy breed. And yeah. I know it's two names, and I know it's a Mao, M-A-U, because I was like, Mao, 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 yeah. Mao. I believe you. I'm not going to look it up. I'm just going to take your word for it. Cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah, and then, so then that's when she's like, well, uh, and so then I think the 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 defining characteristic for her character is they just tried to kill her. They don't know they failed. She can run or she can fight back. And that's when you have kind of like the half an hour, 45 minutes into the movie where it's like, all right, now I have to fight back. Right. Act two of the movie. It's mm-hmm. happening now. Mm-mm-mm. Fair enough? Yes, I, I agree. I think that's great. <laughs> although although does she know how to fight yet no i feel like we need a fight sequence and i feel like she should be looking up at everything that's gone you know she's on the floor maybe looking up at her burning apartment because she's she's gotten a burning apartment she's an artist she doesn't have a house mm-hmm. and you know maybe the only thing she has is this cat who she's been feeding and the cat kind of runs and she follows the cat to its home which is where we meet our lovely cat person, I will say. Yeah, I agree with this. <laughs> Who is a Miyagi slash, you know, fashion expert <laughs> of sorts to get her in the right gear and to teach her how to kick some butt while she's gone and dead. Everybody thinks that she's dead, but she's actually, you know, karate kidding it up, learning how to be the best cat that she can be. I agree with that. I I like that idea because I like that once her apartment gets blown up, I don't think she wants to go to any of her friends because she doesn't want to put their lives 
in danger. And so she follows the cat exactly to just go sleep wherever the cat sleeps. Yeah. I feel like that also could be, like, especially if she finds this cat living with a bunch of other thieves, because aside from the costume being absolutely terrible in the movie we have, I feel like we can do better and give her a little bit more inspired by classic Catwoman of, you're not, like, you're a thief. The whole point is to not be seen. Right. So you want, like, some sort of outfit where you can kind of blend in with the shadows and sneak around. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the sort of thing that she'll get from... These people uh, who've been doing this for some time. Ophelia. That that actress, or that character's name was Ophelia. Why? Who knows? Because it sounds it sounds like a good name for a lady with a lot of cats. Correct. In, in a house in the middle of the city. Like, <laughs> let's just have a moment for Ophelia's house next to all these buildings. Clearly she did not sell and did not want to. And then she's also not taking care of it. So all of those people who are in those sky risers have to look down at her eyesore of a house, which yep. is great. So Ophelia, look. power to you. Thank you for sticking it to the man. Yeah, eventually it'll be lifted up into the air by balloons. Totally. And also, there's hiding in plain sight, but there's hiding in plain sight. That is not hiding in plain sight. That is, hey, look at this eyesore. Yes. In the middle of a city. <laughs> yes. Also, nobody's going in there. Because <laughs> look at it. It's it's pretty bad. But I like the idea that, like, Catwoman is a network. And she could go in and, you know, sort of become a Catwoman in order to avenge her death and to save this scientist person who she loves potentially or wants to love maybe <laughs> you know and it's feeling it out she doesn't want to put any labels on anything yeah, yet like, are you we're not there yet <laughs> and you know eventually we'll have the support she needs if she needs it and at the same time can get and we still need this you know diamond encrusted claws to put on her cat suit absolutely if you don't have diamond encrusted claws how do you do that thing in movies where you draw a circle on glass and then take the glass out so you can steal the thing inside the glass exactly and and so i do think like we need a little comic book flair in here and so even if she's like yeah i'm gonna wear this uniform but i am gonna actually put on these cat ear light type things and have these claws and really take this catwoman moniker to like the next level i think that would be like her as this artist character standing out on her own it seems like a reasonable assumption that she would add some flair to it so i I think Mm -hmm. that's like it's heavily needed and she gets it at ophelia's thanks ophelia yes i also like the idea of her sneaking around with the cat outfit with the ears and people look and see the cat shadow sneaking around and they're like what is happening and they go and then they find an actual cat yes it's like it was an actual cat, not someone sneaking around dressed like a cat. <laughs> Silly us. <laughs> so, and then I think we can kind of figure out her arc. So that what I want to talk about now is our villain. Okay. Because Laurel. Laurel. I, uh, by which I mean Yanni. Because um, <laughs> I like the idea of it's someone who is slowly sliding down the scale of has been. And I, I want to give her that the, the, the character motivation of, I used like, I, I used to be the center of everything and now I'm being pushed aside just because I hit 40. Yes. What? Or yes. 35 or whatever. And that's not okay. Or slight, slightly older than whatever. Cause I feel like that's a real thing. It happens. It continues to happen. Yeah, and women should be upset by it. You know, there's a whole show, Younger, 
that's based on this very premise. I can't do the job that I was doing at 40. That's kind of ridiculous. And Mm -hmm. now I'm going to pretend to be a young person so that I can do that job. And so, I mean, it's a thing that keeps popping up. So keeping this, this character as a quote unquote has been who isn't, you know, but like is just seen societally as a has been as the villain makes the most sense to me. Uh, Yeah. I think she should be running this criminal enterprise and it's like, yeah, no, that I don't, I don't have a front man. It's just my criminal enterprise. Yes. Did you think a man was doing this? No, he gets my coffee. I do like the idea though, because I will say I, I thought it was fun when I was a child and I don't know how I feel about it now, but I thought it was fun (laughs) when I was a child that we are led to believe it's her husband. And I think something that happens in movies with female villains is that other people get to, there's always this reason as to why a person like a woman has to be evil or just decide to be bad. So in this, I like the idea that she's a has been, but in our story, I would love it if she, it's not only that she is a has been now considered, but that she's a has been who is already running this criminal enterprise and was already evil to begin with and was already bad. And this is just like the extra layer on top to make her decide to really just like kick it up a notch versus because otherwise it's like she was a good person she was a good model and all the stuff was happening she was like okay it's fine we'll figure it out (laughs) you know and then gets pushed aside and she's like okay fine like let's blow everything up and it's kind of like she doesn't need a reason to be bad she could just like money just like our hero likes shiny things (laughs) yeah and i feel like they should they should have a lot more similarities in that both of them are kind of stealing in a way but when push comes to shove, one of them will do the right thing. The other one will do the wrong thing. Yes. And literally they can be the exact same up until they're tested. At which point that's when they have the split. Yes. I still think we need a George. I still think we need her husband to be there to, to be this person. And what I liked about uh, our George and Laurel in the original Catwoman, you know, is that, he's just this like skeezy, disgusting playboy of a man who she's totally given up on. I think as soon as you see her, she's just like rolling her eyes at him. And it's just kind of like, we're married only in like signatures. <laughs> we're mm-hmm. like, I don't love you and you don't love me and just go play with your plaything, And I'm going to keep running my criminal mastermind project. Yeah. And I love that. Like, you know, patience is first, like, must be this man because she can't fathom that some woman would do it. And then, yeah. then, and then it's like, no, sorry, it's it's definitely a woman. If you could do this, so could she. Yeah, and I, I like that. And I think that that's the correct way to go. And I, I would like it if George doesn't realize that Laurel's doing all of this behind his back. Like, he thinks, oh, yeah, no, I'm just married to her as a front because I'm a loving husband, but... uh where we go in later is what I'm saying. He's a loving husband as in he's spreading his love everywhere to everyone Correct. who's going to need it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And literally he, but for Laurel, he is there as long as he's useful. And once she's kind of starts going down this path of like true and actual villainy, she's like, yeah, I don't think I really need you anymore. And now you're more useful to me dead. Yes. Because I liked that in the original, where she kills it, uh, kills her husband, and makes it look like Catwoman did it. Yeah, I did. I really enjoyed that actually, because it's. I was kind of like Catwoman. How are you so dumb? I don't know. You're not like picking up on social cues. Clearly, this person is just like I'm trying to fight you, and then 
Oh, I guess you're right. I can't believe my husband would have done. Can we just talk for a moment? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Can we no, just please. talk for a moment? Sharon Stone's glow that they put on her to make her look however old they're trying to sell her as really takes me out of this movie. And like it's not it's not like it's easy to keep me to begin with, but every time she comes on screen, it's like it is like an Instagram filter before Instagram, (laughs) you know, and it just like, she appears and she's glowing like some sort of heavenly angel. And I don't know why they keep doing it. But when I watched it this last time to get ready for this, I was like, it's kind of nice that she's glowing. I wonder if she actually glows or if that's just something, some sort of they're doing to make sure she looks youthful. (laughs) Um, but I'm, I'm glad you noticed that because I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, well, yeah, no, it's just like everybody else in the movie kind of looks normal, and then she always appears when it's dark out, and she looks kind of fuzzy and glowy, and just looks like she has like a a shine to her, if you will. I I actually wasn't kidding. Like, I am genuinely glad you noticed that because I just don't have the eye for that sort of thing. Like that thing, I, I will miss it 99 times out of 100. And yeah, that's a, an important thing to, to mention. Yeah. Why well, is she like that? I don't know why she is. And I don't know if it's just like a, like, let's blur her up a bit. Let's punch her brightness, lower the exposure. Like, I don't know if they were just like, let's make her look super young. And like, she's not actually like a has been, or if they were sort of like, she's a little shiny because she's been using this product for, for too long. Maybe, but also because, uh, Catwoman is like the anti-hero, chaotic, neutral, lives in the dark kind of thing. Were they giving Laurel the hero lighting? You know, that's a really good question. It's easy to see her as some sort of hero because she does, you know, save the cat in the beginning of this movie. And then (laughs) you're like, oh, she's just a a poor woman who's being cast aside, not only by her business, but by her husband. And you're like, and her husband's a skeezball and he's he's poisoning everybody and you're just like really jumping in until she's like, Oh, woe is me. And I'm like, okay, well that's fake. <laughs> you know, yeah. she's, she's really running things here. Um, but it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away after she, we find out who she is. And so I wonder if in hours she should have this hero lighting as our Catwoman is technically an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. And then we find out she's actually the villain we know her to be. And then, yeah it swaps because then you're like hello that's a little fun like exposition (laughs) i I, I like that too and i and i like that um and i think it's a good parallel to uh to our Catwoman. yes yeah i like it i think i think we should do that sold so then that's kind of our act two uh what do you think for act three like what what's our big resolution is uh Catwoman gonna drop laurel off a building what bothers me in in the Catwoman of Halle Berry's days is that Catwoman is inherently good, mm-hmm. even though she's chaotic and neutral. <laughs> you know, she does a lot of stuff, you know, she, she steals a lot of things and then takes most things back. <laughs> you know, she's, right. she's chaotic, good or chaotic, neutral. I, I would go as far as to say. And then, you know, at the end, she's not trying to kill Laurel. She's trying to declaw her you know, and put her in her cage. And I wonder if she just should (laughs) like get rid of this person and have it sort of be on purpose. It kind of takes all of the, 
you know, especially if we're taking the cop out of it, there's no reason why she has to play fair and has to play good, you know, for anyone else's sake. And I wonder if our character is like, this person has been poisoning people for a long time. Yeah. I, well, I think at the end of the day, like, I think what will define our two opposite characters is that when push comes to shove, Catwoman will do the right thing. When push comes to shove, Laurel will not. Yes, but I'm saying what is the right thing here? Is the right thing to let her rot or is the right thing to take care of the situation? I think the right thing is to kind of do what uh, Tom Lone was going to do initially of steal this thing, turn it over to the people who know better to to help everyone who's going to, like, because like, what, what if when people wash this stuff off, it poisons the water supply? That hurts the cats. Right. Um, and it's and, all about the cats. We have to protect yeah, them. They can't protect I think, themselves. I think Catwoman's goal is to take down the company and the product, and then Laurel gets taken down by her own hubris. Like, I do want to lean on to, like, she's so fully enmeshed and literally wrapped in her own toxic product that she does not realize when she's been hurt and when she, she's been killed. Yeah. Like, or not even necessarily killed, but like literally she can be on fire. She can, something can happen to her. And because she can't feel anything anymore, she doesn't realize that it's happening. You know, okay. You're right. I think, I think you're right. I think it's, it's not whether or not our Catwoman wants to kill her or not. It's that Laurel is so, unaffected by whatever's going on she doesn't realize that she's killed herself and i i think i like that more you're right that sounds good i will give you one other option um which is the full superhero origin story pitch okay at some point they end up fighting in the catwalks sorry catwalks in the science like division building and then laurel gets knocked off and lands in a vat of the uh toxic makeup and she climbs out what are we doing a sequel? No, no. I, I mean, every superhero movie uh, has to tease a sequel and she wipes the thing out of her eyes. She's fully is like, Ugh! and then she's going and she's fighting and she's punching way harder. But then she gets so calcified by all of the makeup that she just hardens and goes full statue. And it is the most beautiful she's ever been because she is, was completely washed clean of all wrinkles by this makeup, but she's so washed clean that she can't even move anymore. So she is literally frozen in her own beauty forever. I have to say, like, this is weird. I'm suddenly feeling Flintstones parallels with the cement. (laughs) And Halle Berry is also in that movie. So that's a callback. (laughs) Yeah, she's a secretary. She's a secretary (laughs) who, you know, uh, Wilma thinks he's cheating on her. Uh, poor, Poor Halle Berry. This, well, this is pre-Halle Berry's Oscar win. Sure, but is it after her James Bond movie? You know, that's a, that's a fun question that I have no answers to. <laughs> <laughs> we could look it up, but again, who's got the time? Nobody. So no one. It's impossible. That does feel like a little... That does feel like something that has been... But this could be a great yeah. way to do it in a new, shiny way. I love the idea if... If they are catwalking in this science place, mm-hmm. you know, catwalking and, and trying to destroy each other and patience is getting super injured and, and, you know, Laurel goes over and into this fat. I like the idea of her like trying to give her speech and like trying to crawl out of this vat and like 
saying like, you'll never whatever. And, and of course, Catwoman has cat catted her way down. I, I guess that makes sense to me. I can think of no other verb. <laughs> sure. She's catted her way down and Laurel steps out of the vat and she's talking and then like can't move her finger and you like sort of see it sort of happen to her. That's mm-hmm. another way it could go. But I like the idea of maybe Laurel's trying to pull Catwoman into the vat and that's how she ends up going over. Like we already have these scratches and claws and maybe she's already punctured and she just like doesn't really recognize what's happening. And somehow she ends up going over, even though it wasn't her intention, but it's like, she's kind of done it to herself. And she's just like, you don't know what this stuff has done to me. It's made me super powerful and I can do anything. And then she like stops being able to like have any control over her body. And I kind of like the idea of combining them both. It's her fault, but now she's a statue. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and my adding on to that is that she's trying to force Catwoman into the vat, not because she thinks it will be bad for Catwoman. It's like, if you dive fully into this as much as I have, then you'll understand and you'll be on my side. Yeah. I, I wonder because if I, like Laurel, I mean, no villain thinks they're a villain, but I sort of think anybody correct. who's a criminal mastermind recognizes that they're bad. And so I'm yeah. wondering if maybe the toxins have gone so far into her head. Maybe this is where we pull from like, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman and even Halle Berry's Catwoman in that our villain has gone a little loopy and not because of cats, but because of the beauty stuff that she's trying to sell to people because it is affecting her in in some sort of way. So I wonder if she just has absolutely no clue that she's at all a bad person for anything she's done. We go full fully coolie on this. Okay. (laughs) Fully coolie is this weird like six episode anime that they then did a second one and then a third one. But it's about these aliens that want to come to earth and iron out the wrinkles in everyone's brains and just make them zombies. Cause yeah. it's the wrinkles in our brains that make us who, who we are. Uh-huh. And so it's like, Oh, but so I'm kind of stealing that idea of like, Oh yeah. She gets completely numb to the idea of what she's doing because she takes all the wrinkles away. Even the wrinkles in her own brain. Yes. It's a, it's a bad joke but two people who are listening will appreciate it. And I hope they message me, but they won't. Sam misses you. They know. (laughs) (laughs) Sam just wants to talk. It's quarantine. I'm so alone. (laughs) Aren't we all? Yeah. Well, no, you have roommates. Um, That's true. I did this to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So like that kind of idea, that's like, that's kind of our final moment. So then my, my last question for you plot wise is, does Catwoman stay with the guy? Catwoman has never been with the guy in this movie. This is like, he was a means to an end. Call you maybe, but her walk off into the sunset or on the rails of whatever city, star city that we're in, isn't like, can't be with you, even though I want to, because I've got to be Catwoman. It's might call you, might not, who knows, I'm Catwoman. And I- Love that infinitely better than, you know, uh, would have been there, but I will forever be a criminal instead. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also just realized that we're missing one thing, which is like the thing that I realized we needed. Because okay. the whole thing about Catwoman is that she's a master criminal and a master thief. Mm-hmm. And we're having a lot of little crimes and things leading up to that. But I feel like the final act two into act three needs to be a giant heist. Like that she's going into the company to steal this formula in order to turn it over to the police and say this is toxic here's why yes absolutely uh we didn't specifically say that out loud 
but I feel like that's necessary. That's definitely necessary, and I felt like was implied, but thank you for staying it, because people don't live inside my head, even though I yes. think they do. So I mean, they, they should. It's pretty great in there, I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, but cool, I think we have our movie, so let's, uh, let's talk we about our cast. Our Before we do talk about our cast, I just want to say, in our movie, there will be no comparing of signatures or sorries or words to say this person is weak and sad and demure, and this person is a strong badass. Couldn't that possibly be the same so person. dumb. Like, oh, so I took notes. I can't believe I forgot that I took all these notes. I literally, like, one of the things I wrote down was, uh, is this cop doing phrenology on handwriting? Yeah. First of all, fuck this guy. First of all, fuck that entire police department. Like, the cop was doing phrenology on handwriting, and then one of them says to another, uh, would your wife crawl out on a ledge to save a cat? Maybe if the cat had a pizza. Yeah, you know, it, it's very much feminism via the male gaze. And so I think I've solved that with my, some of my casting and, and choices for, mm-hmm. for things. So taking the male gaze out of like what they think strong women are or feel like or, or, or do th- how they do things and like putting in like more reality because women are not just pizza eaters who sometimes save cats, you know? And- well, it's... It, it's the maleness of this whole thing in that it was directed by a dude, mostly written by dudes. Uh, there's a woman named Teresa Rebeck who's also involved in the story, but it's it's prime like mostly dudes on this. Hi, Teresa. And it's just like this is what like oh man, women who eat all the time. Those are the bad women. Look at this one. We don't see her eat in this movie once. You know, I think it's important that our Catwoman does eat. I would love for our patients to have a meal. Oh no, that, that, you know what? You're right. She does go through those, all those cans of tuna. And yeah. that was also really stupid. I don't want that. I want her to go for a lavish meal when she becomes Catwoman, And then like, yeah. I want her to steal a bunch of stuff. And then um, to coin a phrase, treat herself. Yes. Treat yourself, Catwoman. Let treat her go out. For, let her go out for a fancy feast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't like that. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. Oh God. That hit me right in the feels. Oh, goodness. I'm so sorry. I'm not, but I will say that I am. Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, cool. Yes, I agree. Like, like all these, like, crazy, like, because in my head, Patience Phillips in this movie is dead and gone, and then, like, some other soul kind of possesses her body and has her memories because it's not her. I think she's just possessed yes. by some weird cat spirit. Yes. And like, I, that's part of the reason I don't want her to actually have any superpowers. I just want her like, like Batman to have trained super hard to be able to do these, these cat burglar things. And it's just so she can live a, she can just like stick it to the man and live a better life on her own by her own terms. Yes. I will say too, I hope that when she goes to the den of cat women, you know, I hope that she's the only person who lives there. I hope that they all go home to their really nice places that they can now afford because they've done a lot of stealing. And she's the only person who's like, I'm poor, can't, I have nothing because my house just burned up and I'm supposed to be dead. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't, I don't think it should be a society of like, uh, artful no. dodgers living under Ophelia, the, the, the Fagin of the, of everything. I think it could just be a crazy cat lady who lives in the sewers and is like, but you're so good at stealing. <laughs> help us we're dying because the toxic chemicals from this company are running off into our water this cat is suffering meow can't you hear its pain like no that. i don't speak cat oh uh, 
Well, yeah. let this one breathe into you. Oh, okay. Uh, I have to go. <laughs> but can I sleep here tonight? Again, bomb my place. But is that cool? Cats. Do you have anything to eat around here? Just raw tuna and mice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Let's talk cast. Yeah. Who do you uh So, and again, we're going with Patience Phillips as opposed to Selena Kyle. Yeah. Okay, that's she's fine. Because we are remaking Catwoman as opposed to a cat, a new Catwoman. Catwoman movie. But our Catwoman movie does exist in the DC universe, and I think maybe she's seen Selena Kyle. I wouldn't say that they are a part of the same network. I think Selena Kyle is a lone cat, if you will. Um, cats are not herd animals. They are all lone cats. But she's specifically? You know, lions are cats, and, and they're definitely Yeah, I realized as I said it. but you know like you know i i feel like our patience is a part of a pack it feels like she's even if it's just like actual cats whatever but selena kyle is definitely separate and i feel like maybe there's a nod to her she opens a like a a newspaper and they're like that gotham is being plagued by some cat burglar you know, claws are out or something what is this what was (laughs) they're still making newspapers this is crazy (laughs) You're right. This takes place in 2020. Yeah, no, she, it takes place in 2020. And it's and it's trending on Twitter. Yes. Cat again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh anyway, so who did you cast as your patience Phillips? I chose Sophia Butella, who is wonderful. She's in Kingsman. Yes. She has no feet in Kingsman. She is the mummy in The Mummy, and also the best part of that movie, because that was a, right. a dumpster fire. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she is Hottie McHottie in Atomic Blonde alongside of other Hottie McHottie, Charlize Theron. So I chose her because she's, she's a badass, and I feel like... yes. I feel like there's a world where Sophia Butella didn't know she was a badass and then it has become that badass. And I feel like that's who Patience is. I could see that. I, first of all, I love Sophia Butella. I think that's amazing casting and I'm perfectly happy to put Sophia Butella in just about everything. Thank you. So am I. Um, here, here. Uh, my casting is Zoe Kravitz. Ooh. Who is Mad Max Fury Road. She's in Big Little Lies. And as a fun little twist, in the Lego Batman movie, she's the voice of Catwoman. Also, in the new Batman movie coming out soon, she will be Catwoman. Oh, is she? Yes. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. She is right. <laughs> Well, Sophia Butella it is. <laughs> you won, Sophia. Congratulations. Today you get to be in our movie. It's quite an honor. Yes. I like it. <laughs> Who did you so, have for Laurel? Laurel? So for Laurel, I wanted to do something a little bit dumb. And my casting for Laurel is actually probably a little bit younger than the person we really want to go with. But I thought it would be funny to cast someone who was in Ocean's 8 and Devil Wears Prada and Dark Knight Rises. I cast Anne Hathaway. Okay. Okay. That's really funny. I, I love that. I love it. But I'll tell you who mine is. Um, so my first thought was, wouldn't it be funny if I cast Michelle Pfeiffer? <laughs> I mean, we had kind of a similar idea. Yes, I was like, let's go back to Catwoman. But then I was like, actually, this character is more a Charlize Theron than anything. But I don't think we can afford her. So I instead chose Lena Headey or Heedy. From uh, Game of Thrones? Yeah, Cersei Lannister. 
Yes. She's gorgeous and badass if you've seen Dread and also, I guess, Game of Thrones. And, and uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yes. And also 300 as Hot Wife. she's gorgeous and she's badass and she's a little older but not old older and then and you know could probably kick some butt if she needed to but she also plays crazy kind of well the kind of crazy that we would want just like very full of conviction and has no clue what you're talking about is the right way to go so so my fight for Anne Hathaway would be, if we're casting Lena Headey, aren't we tipping our hand that she's the true villain? Hmm. I would say, I would say she has been cast as the villain, but she's also not been cast as the villain. Hot Wife in 300 is definitely not the villain of that story. Yes, but and I would say that her- most people, I would say that most people now associate Lena Headey with Cersei Lannister, who is like the villain of game of thrones regardless of what they did with daenerys in the last season now here's the thing i think your casting is the correct one i think lena hetty is the correct choice Mm -hmm. but i feel like we would have to try really hard in like the opening scenes to be like lena hetty trying to break away from who she from being cersei sure maybe we see her like giving back to children in like a very nice way and you know because of the cream i've been able to help ten thousand children go to school for every bottle of cream sold, we give a cream. We give a bottle of cream to a wrinkly child in need. Yes. Uh, question: um, do Our children. No more questions. <laughs> You're like helpful. That? Trust me. We've done a thing. For every bottle we sell, a kid in Ireland gets a new pair of glasses. Covered Trust in us. cream, you can't <laughs> see through it, but your eyes have never looked better. Trust us. yeah something like that like i I think we need to have her like i would love it if the first third to a half of the movie is her playing this character that all of us are just kind of like okay this is weird seeing you be this nice like i want her being the nicest person we've ever seen totally and then she can flip it and go full lena hetty yes uh in the second half in the same that's what i would do in the same vein for like anne hathaway as a choice I think she's very good and it would be fun to see her as a villain because I don't know that we have, I would say her Catwoman was just trying to make ends meet, (laughs) you know? So I mean, look, if they drive a a truck full of money up to your house, are you going to take the truck full of money or are you going to say no? You know, if you need it, you need it. And when you don't need it, you still take it. So yes, yes. (laughs) A truck that is just full with money. Yes. So I think like, I think actually it's pretty funny that you say that I did have Anne Hathaway on my list as well. (laughs) So she's she's right up there. I'll take whoever you choose. You can choose. I I do think Lena Headey is the correct choice, especially because like, like uh, even if we're just going based on age, I mean, Anne Hathaway's 37 or 38 or something like she's getting there. And by the time the movie was in production, she'd be like exactly 40, but, and Lena Headey's 46. So it's a difference of nine years. Right. So, I mean, a lot can happen in nine years, but also here's the thing. I like Anne Hathaway mm-hmm. and, but like a lot of people really don't for I don't a reason. Know why. I, I also don't, like her. Yeah. Which I've never completely understood, but it's also one of those things where I'm like, yeah, lean into that a little bit. Just play the villain. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's just trying to like reclaim like, no, no, I'm okay. I'm likable. 
stop looking at Jennifer Lawrence and look at me. (laughs) Which she could totally do for this. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that, which I just think would be kind of fun, fun and dumb. And so like that, that's kind of why I was thinking, but again, I do think Lena Headey's the right choice, especially if the first half of the movie, she's playing against this type. Yes. And we believe her to be like the saint and we paint her as the most heroic and she's done so much. And yeah, she's like a Vincent D'Ofrio and daredevil. Yeah. And then murder, murder the entire time means to an end. So then let's talk about George Hedare. Who did you have for George? George. I had Christoph Waltz actually. (laughs) What? I just was like, I want want an older guy who seems skeezy, who can play skeezy very easily, obviously. And I want his wife obviously to be younger, not infinitely Mm -hmm. younger, but like younger so that you already know he's got a taste for a different kind of palette than is necessarily deserved. And and so it's not weird when he's just like, hi, 19 year old. Like, I'd love for you to come back to my house so I could show you all my trophies. Like I kind of wanted that. And he's very good at playing like creepy skeezy guy. So you think he's the villain, even though he's not actually the villain of this. He's a villain of his own story, but he's not yeah. the villain of this story. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not a bad idea. Um, I've never seen him as kind of like the sexual predator predator kind of skeevy, but I bet he could do it very well. He's a phenomenally talented actor. Totally. Um, No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So my casting is kind of uh, someone who you kind of would see and suspect to be the villain. He's a guy who's played a character where people are like, yeah, this guy's got it all figured out. But then really it's like, oh, surprise. I want to be just like him. Mm -hmm. Um, But not... uh, Jude Law. Ooh. Yeah. You win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially Law? because yeah. I really like the idea because, and again, this is metagaming a little bit, but like Lena Headey's 46, Jude Law's 47. And it could be like they came up together, but and then Jude Law, but they both get rich and powerful. He's like, I mean, yeah. So He's also like the right kind of pretty. So he really believes that he belongs with all of these hot young models. Like I think, mm-hmm. I think you hit the nail on the head or whatever that thing. I think I said that right. I, 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 I think you did too, but I refuse to look it up. Okay. We don't I was right. Everyone enjoy. Yeah, that. absolutely. <laughs> so then you went first with that one. So let me tell you about, I mean, Tom Lone, not the cop. He's a lone scientist mm-hmm. out for chemistry. Mm-hmm. He's got the, those formulas and the Punnett squares that you need to get things done. Tom Lone. Uh, <laughs> I went uh, with an actor who's been in, like, he, he's kind of done, like, the NCIS thing. He was in Maze Runner. He had a, 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 a smaller role in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It's an actor named uh, Ki Hong Lee. I don't know who that is. Feel free to look it up. Um, Wait, so, who's like, in the Maze Runner? I don't remember the name of his character. Also, I've never oh, seen Maze Runner. Totally know him. Yes, I've seen the Maze Runner. I've seen all of them. I also read those books. Fun fact for everybody: those movies are better than the books are. Hello, that really? never happens. Yep the the books just do a thing that I was not asking for nor needed, and then the movie was like, "We're going to tone all that down," and I was like, "Thank you, thank <laughs> you very much." <laughs> I love it, him. He's great. Yeah. So, uh, it, for those of you who aren't sitting in front of a computer right now, in Maze Runner, he plays Minho. He does. And he's a fast runner. 
that's important in those movies. That is, because you have to run through the maze. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We like Minho. He makes yeah. it to the end. Spoiler. Mm. So sorry. Well, he's in like three of the movies, so that I doesn't mean, surprise some me. Some of them don't make it in the third one. Good for him. He did yeah, it. He, he re- did it. He really, he really solved that maze on the back of that kid's menu. You know, super quick with a crayon and then mm-hmm. a pen. Hello. And you can't erase crayon. No, you cannot. It just smears everywhere. Wax yep. is no joke. It is not. Uh, who did you have for uh, Tom Lone, rogue scientist? Okay, so I like first tried to play with the man. I was like, who am I going to choose for for Tom Lone? And then I was like, the year is 2020, and I don't see why Sophia Butella should have to touch a man. She could touch a woman if she wants to. And Atomic so, Blonde has definitely proven that. And it was awesome there. And so I think it would be awesome in our movie. And I chose Gina Rodriguez. Who Tell is, me about Gina uh, Rodriguez, who yeah, I know who she is, but just in case our audience does not. Totally. Gina Rodriguez is uh, a little famous, just a tiny bit, from Jane the Virgin on The CW. Uh, mm-hmm. She was also in Annihilation, where she plays a cool badass. Um, she was in Miss Bala, which is an unfortunate movie. And, um, <laughs> you know, uh, she also was in Someone Great. Is that right? Oh. On Netflix. It's like the rom-com of... 2019 on Netflix. Uh, someone great. Yeah, she's also in the upcoming Miranda July movie, Kajillionaire. Which Kajillionaire is out right today, or whatever this is coming out, is out today. <laughs> uh, this should come out two weeks from tomorrow, so as of recording. It's already out. You should watch yeah. it. It's great. Miranda July is great, and everybody is great. Is she... I had to watch Miranda July movie for a movie club, and I did not like it. Yeah, Someone Great is the movie I was talking about. Got it. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to do <laughs> because yeah. those are both good choices uh, for Tom Lone, the scientist who gets stuff done. Totally. Lone. Alone until he meets Catwoman, who yes. he never wants to be alone without. Yes. Tom Lone. <laughs> um Let's come back to that since I think those are both good options. And uh, for stuff like that, when we both have good things, I'm like, yeah, we can kind of decide based on who got more other things. Sure. Um, So then let's talk about Ophelia. Our, in our version, sewer sewer dwelling crazy cat lady. Is she a sewer dwelling crazy cat lady? Is that official? The the Fagin of thieving cats. (laughs) This This one's named Artful Dodger. I found him in the boot of a VW bus. I don't want Ophelia to be crazy. I just want Ophelia to be, you know. You have super magical cat powers based from Egypt. And if there's one thing I know, it's that cat women, and I'm quoting, are not contained by the rules of society. You follow your own desires. You will yeah. experience a freedom no other women will free other women will never know. That's the cat. See, I hear it as like Catwoman. Wait, say the line again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just cat the first women part. are cat not catwoman. Cat, cat women, women are not contained by the rules of society. So like I kind of hear that as like you know, catwoman, they're not contained by the rules of society. And that's the yes, reason why that is I, what I said. Ask, but I hear it the way I said it, and that's the reason why I cast Billy Porter in this role. <laughs> because I love the idea of this just, like, 
Because, okay, here's the great thing about Ophelia, right? Ophelia is like an Egyptologist. She's a professor. She's not a crazy cat woman as much as she's like a studied crazy cat lady. And so (laughs) in my mind, there's no reason why somebody who's sort of obsessed with Egypt has found this cat in all of these photos or whatever the case may be, has sort of built this secret underground society of like a den of thieves who's sort of like a mob boss of their own sort of right, you know, for protecting people or protecting the cats or protecting society. She's, you know, especially in Seattle, I feel like, why not? So that's sort of like my thought process. I wanted my, my Ophelia to be like a fairy godmother, sort of, of like, you can do anything you want and let me teach you how to be badass. I have all of these connects. Let's do it. I'm going to take a step back because I just looked him up and I actually thought Billy Porter was someone else. Uh, so f- just in case people don't know, please tell us about Billy Porter. Billy Porter is the first black gay man to win an Emmy in 2019 uh, for Pose. And he is that fabulous person you see on the runway, like in a full ball gown, just fully dressed to the nines. He is a showstopper. He is the fairy godmother mother you've always wanted and will be the fairy godmother in the next Cinderella movie that's coming out whenever oh, really? quarantine is not over. Yes. <laughs> so that's... Which- which version of Cinderella? Is it a remake of the Brandy Whitney Houston Cinderella version? So, or is it like the kind of a the live action Disney, but better? Okay, fun fact. Both of those movies are Disney movies. <laughs> and Are they really? Yeah, it's Disney's take on Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella or their take on their own Cinderella. And they've technically done their live action Cinderella. So this is actually a separate movie, not... It's like a new Cinderella movie, sort of like Ever After. It's like a separate Cinderella. Is it Disney? It is not Disney. I think it's Sony. Ah, interesting. Cool. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. Um, My Ophelia is Loretta Devine. Ooh. Who? uh, Love. (laughs) uh, She's in, uh, like, she does theater and stuff too, but she's like in Waiting to Exhale. She's done Grey's Anatomy. She was in Crash, Death at a Funeral. She has a huge imdb page like it goes on and on it does and i i don't know i just thought she'd be fun i kind of was going with the ophelia we have in our movie instead of i i keep saying sewer dwelling but we don't it doesn't necessarily need to be sewer dwelling it's just where this cat goes home to yes it can be anywhere the important thing is it's not a home um (laughs) it's not her home (laughs) sure (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't own it is what we're saying but who among us can uh and that's what i kind of thought would be uh fun so that's that's kind of why i went with loretta divine i love loretta divine and i do feel like she gets the like she could very easily be like saying the line the way that i envision it (laughs) versus saying it like please pet this kitty you will be a cat woman forever but instead of being like girl you a cat woman like that's kind of because francis conroy as wonderful as she is sort of did the whole you know there are so many great women and you're a part of these great women and i kind of just wanted to be like girl sit down let me tell you about this you know just like (laughs) i have stuff to do i have my own life like let's get to it you need to learn some things so i feel like it's either or i don't know yeah, I think we have another either-or situation. So then it comes down to this. Who's your Sally? Oh, who's my Sally? I went first. You go first this time. Oh, you did. <laughs> Shoot. Um, so 
what's the name of the actress who plays her in the movie as it is now? Alex Borstein. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So Alex Borstein is like a comedian. So like it's doing comedy. And I wanted someone who could like kind of have that fun play with the role, but also is a little bit more down to earth and isn't just a, I'm going to make sex jokes for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. That's my character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went with uh, an actress who's been in a variety of different things. Um, but I've most recently seen her in the movie, but I'm a cheerleader and also in Netflix's Russian doll. I went with Natasha Leone. Ooh, Natasha. She's hot. <laughs> that is also true. Yeah, she's great. Um, I agree with you. I wanted to keep her comedy. This movie's heavy enough, and I wanted her to be comedic relief. And I did also want it to not be sexy, but I wanted somebody who has really sort of owned their sexuality in a way that you can like smell the confidence off of them through the screen and just sort of like trust that they know themselves like inside and also down there. And so I sort of chose uh, Mindy Kaling as my Sally. Got it. That's an interesting choice. I feel like Mindy Kaling is a very one for one with the Sally we have now. And I feel like it would end up being a very similar character. Yeah. I also think she could sort of do it in a way that's not like throw away the key doctor, like please take me home and sort of in a way like why haven't you owned your own personality and your own sexuality and your whoever you are she's sort of like in my head and maybe this is because i'm like dreaming of mindy killing as my own personal fairy godmother to just like <laughs> lift me up and tell me that i'm great and that i can do anything please call me mindy and you know um maybe that's the reason why i like look to her as that but i think in everything that she's done she's sort of been like i don't really care what you think i like who i am and i like what i'm doing and why doesn't anyone else feel this way about themselves and so that's what I want Sally to be versus Sally being like, also, if you know a friend, like feel free to have him like, you know, give me my number or like whatever, just being like so open. But it's like somebody that I want our patients to trust like for, because I yeah. also think like maybe Halle Berry's patients doesn't trust Alex Borstein to know what men want or anything like that. But I also feel like why wouldn't this best friend do that? And that's why I'm kind of like, if we're keeping it similar, it's my Mindy. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I think I think if we're trying to do a clean break from the movie as it exists now, I kind of want to have a different tone for the best friend. Totally. So I would prefer to go with Natasha Leone for this one. Sure. So that actually puts us at two each. And I don't yeah. normally do this, but that leaves us with Tom Lone or, and Ophelia. Okay. So I would say... Pick one. Which of the two of those are you the most uh, passionate about? Because, like, of the four people we've picked for these two roles, I'm happy with any of them. Mm-hmm. But I want to give you, of these people, the one that you're the most passionate about, and then the other one will go to my person. Okay. Oh, this is tough. I feel like... Okay. I'm going to give you... I'm going to give you Tom Lone, and here's why. I think she's not committed to anybody... And I see her being in a relationship with Gina Rodriguez. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to give you Fair. Tom Lone so that Billy Porter can be our Ophelia, our cat lady mastermind of her own accord in Seattle, taking names and Star also City. Star City in Seattle. <laughs> 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 taking names and feeding the cats. And just, like, all-around good person slash badass. Love it. Okay, great. 
So that is, uh, those are the only six people I cast as well, because those are the only six characters in the movie. With names. And and lives. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So then that brings us to writer and director. Sure. Uh, I can go first for this one. Okay. So for writer, I mentioned that I had a, uh, a writing team. Um, my writing team are the team behind Raising Dion. Because I, I didn't know how deep into kind of superpowers we were going to go. And this kind of felt like the low-key family drama, but also like kind of a little bit of the supernatural action-y kind of thing. Okay. And that kind of worked. And it's like single single woman kind of on her own type situation. Okay. And so the, uh, the people who created that are uh, Carol Barbie and Dennis Liu. And so that, that that's who I thought would be fun for this. Yeah, I totally see that. Uh, I loved Raising Dion. And I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with Raising Dion, if I'm honest. But it's more <laughs> love than hate. I just have a problem when characters like seem creepy and skeezy, and then they are, and nobody else notices it, but I do. And I'm like, this person's creepy. Why haven't we noticed this yet? Yeah, that always bothers me. Like, if you're setting up so strong at the beginning that this person's creepy... That means that they shouldn't be, and that means that we're judging them based on their first appearance, and that's yes. something that we should not be doing. Exactly. So I kind of was like, why, why are you... F- okay, that's fine. It is the first person I thought it was, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But I did love the rest of it, and I love the storytelling, so I feel like that's a really great duo for this. I chose Diablo Cody. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because in my head, I wanted it to be a little bit more fun, which you'll also see with my director choice. I just wanted it to be a little bit more fun. I think Catwoman came out at a time when we're, we were really just trying to sell comic book movies as movies. And like, yes, there's comic book flair in it. But you know, I, I've gone on about this a little bit a lot of it if you've been listening <laughs> and you know i i just wanted it to sort of be fun diablo cody uh did jennifer's body and mm-hmm. i have a personal close relationship to jennifer's body because i kind of sort of worked on it when i was a kid and i'm super proud of myself Ooh. i chose a song i'm really cool <laughs> but i thought it's like ingenious the way that she writes monsters because the main thing that I've taken away from Jennifer's body is that Jennifer's a monster before she becomes a monster. And mm-hmm. I like that. So I think she can write villains very well. Mm-hmm. So that's where I landed. Good. I agree with that. I like that a lot. Tell me about who your director is. My director is Kathy Ann, who directed, uh, depending on when you saw the movie, it's either... Birds of Prey, <laughs> The Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, or it's Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, but she directed both of those titles. <laughs> Got it. Yes. Uh, just because I wanted it to be a little bit fun, and I wanted our villain to have fun, and I think Ewan McGregor's villain had the most fun that I've seen for villains <laughs> in a while yeah. on screen. And he was that is just, definitely true. Yeah, just having a ball, and I think like our villain, Laurel, is kind of crazy and doesn't know it in the same way as mm-hmm. Black Mask. And so I, I thought she might be great to bring that out of Lena Headey. For us. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's a good choice. My director is a little bit less well-known. Mm-hmm. It's a woman named Tanya Wexler. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things that she's directed is there's a movie called Jolt, which was described as the female crank. Okay. Uh, she directs the movie directed a movie called a girl with no name. She directed something called uh buffaloed and she's a director who's currently on her way up, 
which is kind of the way Hollywood works is they're like, oh, you did a bunch of really cool indie things. Here's this big budget blockbuster so we can uh, use your indie cred. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll fix it in editing. <laughs> but like, so that, that's why I thought would be a good thing. And she also does very female centric productions. Yeah, I love Buffalo. She's currently repped by Circle of Confusion, which I kind of think of in my head as the comic book management company. Okay. Because that is what they are. <laughs> and so that's why I thought she would be kind of fun. And a little bit of a lesser name, but also kind of a like a new take. So if it were me and I was pitching, I would have this be written by Diablo Cody and then directed by Tanya Wetzler. I'm totally in agreement with you. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly think we split this down the middle. We absolutely did, which basically never happens. But the um, as you really won me over on the Diablo Cody when you were describing how, like, oh yeah, Jennifer's body. It's about a person who she was she was a villain and a monster this whole time, and that's kind of what we've been saying about both Catwoman and Laurel this whole episode. Like, yes, whoever they were, they were that person. This is just kind of coming to and realizing that about themselves. Yeah, and yeah. I think she, she it's fun. I, I like I think I think you don't realize Jennifer's a villain until you watch it later. Like of course when I saw Jennifer's right. body in 2009 I was like, okay, poor Jennifer, but then I'm watching it now and I'm like she's the worst. Like she's the worst <laughs> person in the world. I'm not surprised. That's it. I'm not surprised. <laughs> because she's just so awful. So it's it's sort of like I want a character who years from now will still offend us and make us go like, Oh God, you're, you're awful. And she's just like smiling with like a happy face and just like, right. Like, yeah, I'm so great. And I, I, I think she does that very well. So Diablo call us. We'd love to hire you for this. Exactly. So, yeah. So let me take you through our, uh, our Catwoman, please. So Catwoman, all of us will take place in star city. Our patience Phillips will be Sophia Butella. Tom Lone, the the rogue rogue scientist who who goes against the rules, is uh, Ki Hong Lee. Uh, Laurel Hadare is going to be Lena Headey. George Hadare will be Jude Law. I almost uh, put Christian Bale there, but that would have been too on the nose. Um, Ophelia is going to be Billy Porter. Sally will be Natasha Leone. All of this will be written by Diablo Cody and then directed by Tanya Wexler. That is Catwoman. Mimi, are you going to go see this movie? You know, I'm not only going to see it, I'm going to see it like 10 times in theaters. That's kind of you. I mean, it's not. I saw Twilight like 14 times in theaters. That is many times. It is many times. And, you know, I didn't have to pay for it. I had friends who worked in the theater and I did my homework in the theater. So it doesn't really count. But I did sit in the theater 14 times for Twilight. Fair enough. You know what? That's fair. (laughs) So if I could do it for Twilight, I could do it for any movie at all. Good. I like it. So thank you so much for being my guest. Mimi, please tell people about your presence on the internet, what you'd like people to follow, all sorts of, all of that stuff. You know, the end of the episode things. Sure. Yes. I'm Mimi Darling and you can find me on, that's my podcast voice. (laughs) You can find me on See It on Tuesday, which is a wonderful little Instagram account where I tell you whether or not it's worth to see a movie in theaters or if you should just wait at home. However, right now we're taking a little bit of hiatus because drive-ins do not count. So we will be back as soon as theaters open. In the meantime, you can check out Cherry Picks, which is a essentially female Rotten Tomatoes, where you can see what female identifying and non-binary critics think of movies 
Because why not? Good. That's me. I like it. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you want to follow me, I'm at Twitter at Sam Gash. I'm on Twitter at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H. And uh, the podcast is on Twitter and Instagram at Ideal Remake. Spelled like it sounds. And like the title of the podcast. I'm doing very well today. Um, and if the nice thing you could do is if you enjoy this or any podcast, a really good thing to do is to go on to Apple podcasts and leave us a five-star review that helps all podcasts. It, cause the more reviews happen, it's, it's how it tracks engagement and how that gets promoted for other podcasts that are trying to find people to listen to them. Or you can also join us on Facebook. Uh, I do. We make our, I do. We make podcasts and come say hi, or tell me about all the things that we got wrong. Or if we missed perfect casting for something, I want to know about it. So do I. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. Cause there's like, there's only six characters in this movie. So honestly, I want to know who you'd cast as Catwoman. Like, let us know. Yeah, please do. <laughs> and then also go on to go on to Twitter, not Twitter, go on to, or I guess Twitter too, but go on to Instagram and follow uh, See It On Tuesday. Because if I'm going to be living in Los Angeles and spending $20 on a movie ticket, I want to make sure it is worth it. Yes. And I will tell you, all movies are worth seeing, but not all movies are worth paying any more than you already subscribed to. So if you have HBO, I've got you covered. If you're going out, I've got you covered. I will see it so you don't have to. And I'm really, I'm really taking a chance here. So <laughs> I will Great. say I you'll enjoy it. Amazing. So then I will end with this. Mimi, what is your favorite quote from the movie Catwoman? Oh, uh, uh, okay. I don't know which one to choose. It's either cats come when they feel like it, not when they're told, but I hate the way she said it. And then I also liked, I'm a woman. I'm used to doing things I don't want to do, which I feel like. Those were both great lines, but in context, I'm a woman, I'm used to doing things I don't want to do, even within the context, worked so well. It's like, (laughs) you don't want to kill me, do you? I'm a woman, I'm used to doing things I don't want to do. It was so good. Yeah, I think that's the one. Yeah, I love it. Also, Catherine does ask you like bad girls, and Tom Lone says, only if they like me back. (laughs) I was so dumb. Yeah. It's, this, it's definitely, I'm a woman. I'm used to do thing, doing things I don't want to do. Good. I love it. Yeah. All right, cool. Thank you. Thank you. This, is this movie is a fucking disaster. Oh my God, it's terrible. <laughs> it's, so <bad. laughs> it's, it's really awful. 